thanks Regis for joining our podcast and definitely I remember your company at warm up and I was like oh this is a cool name and and I was really um, um, humbled by your explanation of what you guys are providing and I'm sure it's going to be great for our listeners and uh, definitely how we start is just learning more about who you are what your company does what makes you different and then we can go from there yeah sounds good so I'm Regis I'm uh, managing the warm-up operations in North America. Warm-up is a British manufacturer of radiant floor heating. And for the past 15 or so years, we've been active in the North American market. So uh, we uh, have the goal to change the way people heat their homes. And we do that, you know, one bathroom at a time. But we have bigger and more ambitious goals than that that we'll discuss today. <laughs> more than the bathroom? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, this is the challenge, Kip, right? It's, um, it's a product that's been viewed as a bathroom luxury, and uh, there is so much more to it than that. And, and I think that's what, you know, we want to mm -hmm. challenge the listeners with today is consider radiant heating as a heat source, not just as a bathroom luxury. Yeah, no, that's great, because I didn't know. I mean, I remember, you know, my wife's Korean and and over there in Asia, it's fairly common, right? And you have these kind of traditional style Japanese or Korean houses, and they have these nice warm uh, floors. And I know in the U.S., it's it wasn't a common practice. And um, I'm sure people don't really know what what you're saying with radiant heating from the floor. So, do you want to talk us through that? Yeah. So let, let's define the product and the the category a bit. Radiant heating is a is an all encompassing term because radiant is actually a method of heating, right? The sun shining, you know, on you lounging on the the terrace, that's radiant heating. Uh, but there's radiant, there's conduction and convection. So conduction is when you touch something, or if you put a pot of water on the stove. Uh, conduction is is the pot warming up and boiling the water, right? The the, the transfer of heat is done physically in contact or if you touch a radiator well the heat going from the radiator to your hands that's conduction and convection is a transfer of heat usually through gases so through the air so a furnace would be a good example where you know it turns cold air into warm air and then it blows it into the room that's convection so radiant uh, convection conduction three different methods so the argument there once we start with the basics is to to realize that depending on your house, depending on your building, um, different kinds of heating might be more suitable. Example, you, you, you're building a church, right? Extreme example, but, but if you've ever traveled around and you've been into, you know, one of these European churches, you know, uh, 30, uh, 30 foot high at least, or, or maybe a hundred foot high. And, you know, you try to heat that with a furnace. Well, you're trying to defy physics because essentially, you know, hot air rises so you you have to put these fans or if you've been in a warehouse you you have these big rotating fans that try to push the hot air down where the people are because you're only occupying the first five six feet of the room and um yeah in a church you'll be you'll be freezing because you're sitting down you know at the bottom and all the heat is at the <laughs> top so it, it's one example where other forms of heating like radiant heating from the ground up or you know whether it's with water with electricity or some people do it with steam in, in some countries um, would have been a better way to heat because mm -hmm. uh, heat doesn't rise but hot air does and so at that point if you're using hot air to heat the space and you have high ceilings 
that's not going to you know combine very well the same the same reason why most of the listeners in their own homes your basement is cold uh, because the hot air in your basement is trying to escape to the top no that's cool and you mentioned you're predominantly <clears throat> is it residential and maybe multifamily? is there any commercial business too besides multifamily? Yeah, there are there are applications to commercial. Um, it, it's not super common right now, and and the focus we have is really on the residential environment, multifamily or single homes. Um, but you know, there's a chain of shoe stores in France that uses our products, and you know, you can see the double application there because half the time you're without your shoes trying new shoes. <laughs> so having the heated floors is a nice differentiator, but. Um, what they saw there is that if you if you heat the air in a store, imagine a big big box, right? And 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 that's the store. And so you use a furnace to heat up the air into that space. But that space, 250 times a day, the door opens and closes. A customer walks in. If all goes well, customers walk in. And every time they open the door, a lot of that hot air escapes. You know, it's really the thermal exchange between the cold air outside and warm air inside. And so if you keep heating the hot air, you you'll be doing that all day. You know, it's like putting ice cubes in boiling water. You'll be boiling all day. Um, so if you're now heating the floor, you're heating something that isn't moving away. Now, if you open the door, you'll feel the cold draft, but the, the, the heat is stored in the floor. And that's called thermal storage, where essentially you're, you're heating something that stays there. And as soon as you close that door, that heat just keeps radiating up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And is that, I know you mentioned it's a, a company from the UK was that mm -hmm. right warm yeah. up and i assume it's i guess more popular there or is that is that right yeah well you you mentioned your wife being korean there are countries in the world where you know radiant heating is 90 percent, you know penetration of the heating methods uh, you mm -hmm. look in the countries like norway um, germany has a very high penetration for heated floors as well uh, and and in asia in far east asia uh, lots of radiant heating usually with steam or, or hot air actually they, they circulate mm -hmm. uh, heating pipes underneath the floor which is a different method but all of which is radiant heating in the uk it's about 25 30 percent market penetration so you you'll have you know a reasonable reasonably well understood product in the us it's under one percent oh. Well, yeah. hence why you're here, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I get. I guess the, the upside is the sky's the limit. <laughs> Double the market. <laughs> yeah, that that's great. So it it's uh, I I can see that. So, I, you know, me as a homeowner, and I know we want to get into uh, more of the sales and marketing of what you do. And uh, but I when I was learning about your product and when you were uh, talking about that in our prep. It's, it's definitely something that's new, right, in, in the U.S. And I have carpets everywhere, right? And I'm sure like the bathroom, it's hard to put a carpet in there. So I imagine that's one reason why. But we do have hardwood floors. And I'm sure there's a lot of other factors. But what have you seen? I guess what were the challenges in the U.S.? Because I imagine you're, you're almost like starting your own business in a way, right? And you're you're here, it's 1% of the market. So could you walk us a little bit through of how you like planted and sprouted out and, and where you went? Yeah, for sure. Well, the, 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 the main challenge was to present the product differently, right? Because if you're talking to an audience that very much understands your product, but chooses to buy it or not to buy it, it's a very different pitch than to a market to which you have to explain what the product is now. 
of course, this is much different today than it was 20 years ago when I started. But the simplest way to understand it is the bathroom luxury, right? Heated, heated floors in the bathroom where you step out of the shower, the tub, and you've got an 80 degree floor welcoming you in the morning or after a work day in the evening um, is more easily understood. Uh, whether that takes an analogy like the heated seats in your car or things like that, it, it, it didn't take too much time to understand, but we had to really scope the business around the bathroom. And uh, specifically in America, people, people do remodel more than they do in Europe. Um, in America, people uh, spend more money in their bathrooms and kitchens than they do in Europe. Um, you know, here, the average homeowner will buy and sell their house every 12 years. That average is about 30 years in Europe. So on, based on demographics, um, you know, the average uh, owner here will have three times the number of houses that someone in, in Europe would. So you're going to remodel more often. And uh, that bathroom idea was definitely the one I caught on. Uh, we didn't invent it. Don't, don't get me wrong. There, <laughs> there were different, different markets, uh, different industry players in the market. Uh, but what we did differently is that in Europe, where we didn't invent it either, what we did do differently is we said, listen, let's, let's use these heat mats or heat cables and let's make them hot enough to be the only source of heat in the room. Because it's nice to have that little luxury, but luxury is add-on, is discretionary income. If I can say, well, it's going to do that warm floor type thing, but it's also going to help you remove that radiator. So now you don't have to spend on the radiator. You can just spend on the heat mat and that will do both. It will give you the luxury and the heating. That became a much easier pill to swallow because people had a choice, a slightly more expensive choice, but a choice um, as a heating method, not just a luxury. Sure. So in that example, you're saying that was in Europe, mm -hmm. right? You didn't invent it, but thinking it as a luxury, the the, the change that your company did was thinking it as a, an alternative or a better way to heat your home versus a furnace. The way they had done for decades in prior countries in, in, in Korea, it's been, you know, most houses have had this for a hundred years or more. Um, in Norway, they've been using heat mats and, and heating uh, pipes uh, for many, many years. So, it's not new, it's just that in some markets, the idea of heated floors was a luxury. And it is luxurious, nothing, you know, I can't argue with that. Stepping out of the shower on an 80 degree floor, a 60 degree floor is a, is a striking difference. But it doesn't have to just be a luxury. It can be the heat source in the room. It doesn't take a whole lot for us to do that. And so that's what we did, that's what we engineered. It took a specific cable. It took developing controls so over the years, you know, warm up developed its own range of controls, which are now, of course, Wi-Fi and Alexa, and they probably make coffee, who knows, but um, that really was the challenge and the evolution of the business so that we can tell people, you know, in, in trying to gain more market acceptance, tell people, you're not just buying a luxury with your, your hard-earned dollars, you're buying something that's different, that's slightly more expensive, but that will give you what you planned on getting and then some, right? Yeah. So in Europe, I, I, I assume then with your kind of new market approach and and messaging about a, a heating solution versus a furnace, it it picked up, right? And 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 uh, you're able to make progress there. Yeah, well, thankfully, you know, making a a very hot cable or a slightly hot cable is the same the same cost more or less. So 
people end up looking at the, the, this decision between the really fast car at the same price as a really slow car. So they said, well, we'll take the really fast one and we'll drive slow if we need to. <laughs> um, so that definitely helped us, you know, get a foothold and, and grow from there. But it was still early days, so less competition and, and, you know, it was the right time in the right market. And then, you know, a few years later, so about 15 years ago, we came to the North American market and found ourselves with a similar but, you know, quite different challenge. Here it's the market was wide open. The problem was, you know, people didn't understand it. So the, the challenge here for this category and, and many other products that are innovative or a bit fringe is that the average consumer doesn't even consider them in their buying, their buying process. We actually did a, an exit survey with a bunch of tile stores. So we asked people, um, did floor heating come up in the conversation during your visit? And did you buy it? Right? Two simple questions, yes or no. And the end result was that out of a hundred people that came out and we, we surveyed more than a thousand people, 96% of people said the, the, the discussion didn't even come up, right? And when it did, it came up because they had knowledge about it and asked for it, or the specific salesperson had, you know, the knowledge to bring it forward. So the immediate realization here is that 96 times out of a hundred based on our little survey, um, people are not even going to consider it. So they're going to, they're going to pick the tile and spend hours debating on which, which tile and which this and which cabinet, and which mirror and which lights and all the things for their bathroom. And it will all be said and done 25 grand later. And for 500 bucks, they could have gotten a heat mat, right? But that yay or nay decision never took place. Mm -hmm. That, that is the challenge today for us. Yeah. And that seems, I would say like a, I wouldn't say, typical challenge, but when you have a new product, you, you, you have that resistance or comfortability status quo. And it just me as a homeowner, I'm, yes, I would never know that that was an option. And, and I assume that's what you have to do is educate, right? Across all spectrums of marketing from the showroom to the homeowner so that people start at least saying the name, right? And, and then mm -hmm. hopefully, I know we talked about that sometime uh, before where now people actually are proactive either from the homeowner side or the showroom side or the store side right so is that could you walk us through how you were able to get exposure yeah so the the mistakes we made and that you know a lot of companies probably still make is that we're in love with our own product right we, you come up with an innovation or you you, you drink enough of the kool-aid to, to to believe your stuff is the best and sometimes it's even true and you, you think about all the features and benefits that your product has and how you're going to pitch that. And, and, and you want people to understand that, you know, the warmer product has, you know, 30% more wattage than the X product. And you want people to understand that this spacing of cable is so much more beneficial than that spacing of cable. And it's all true, but you're talking to the wrong audience. It's like launching a product in Peru and speaking Chinese. Yeah, I'm not saying people don't understand it. It's not what they want to hear. And so it took us a while to, you know, after we, you know, got over this, this being in love with our own, with our own product to realize that we had to speak the language, first of all, of the showroom consultant, the design consultant, the tile, the tile salesperson and say, you know what, it's an electric product, but forget about watts, volts and amps, forget about it. You don't need to know a word of it. What you need to know is how much does it cost to run? Does it break? 
and how much is it going to cost in a bathroom, right? So the way we train showroom salespeople now is to say, okay, at any point of the, the process, fit in the following question. And did you think about heating the floors? That's a very simple question that opens up this door and either people will be very open to it and say, oh no, actually tell us more about it. And then you have a brochure, a bit of knowledge for it. Or people will have a prejudice like, oh, but electricity is expensive. I said, well, it can be, but it costs about $5 a month to run a bathroom. And then you let people choose whether $5 a month is in or out of the budget. You know, we have a lot of people who say, well, you know, I, I, I don't think these people can afford it, or I don't think this is the, in the budget for my customer. I said, well, you're not the customer. You know, in all humility, just tell them it's $1,000 installed, and then let them decide whether that's something they want to splurge on or not. And maybe they don't want the $1,500 faucets. Maybe they want the $500 faucets and the heated floors, right? Yeah, that's an awesome example. I, I really can relate to that because developing a product, selling a product, marketing a product, it's all about the language of your buyer mm -hmm. and the language of either pain or interest or convenience or whatever it is, right? And and I really like that one sentence that you have because it is a, a fairly interesting question that people don't think about. It's like, would you like what do you, have you thought about heating your floors? And, and that just really codifies or simplifies that whole kind of talk track, I think. So that, that's really elegant. I, I really like, it's simple, right? Because you can really um, get people to think, because most people I would say think, yes, I've never thought about that. That's awesome, right? And then, yeah, to your point, they may have all those objections that you're talking about, so. What, yeah. what happens most, you know, as we said before, you know, most people don't even think about it. And so oftentimes I start, I start seminars saying, you know, people don't have heated floors because no one told them they could. And, and that question really came from that and say, today, people don't even say yes or no. They walk into a tile store, they pick tile, they, you know, it's a big decision. It's a lot of money for their remodel and they don't want to make new decisions. It's already plenty of decisions for them. But ask them the question because after you've asked have you thought about heating the floor? Well, since everybody loves heated floors, they'll say yes, but. They won't say no, they'll say yes, but. Yes, but it's expensive. Well, it's a thousand dollars. Oh really, that's not that bad, but it's electrical. Electric electricity is really expensive to run. Like, well, it's about five to eight bucks a month to run a bathroom. Huh, that's a lot less than I thought. But I have a friend who has one and it broke down. I said, well, you know, a long time ago, there were systems that were a bit you know, less reliable. And it's true that there were some, some poor installations, but I can tell you that these products now have lifetime warranties and, you know, are much easier to install. Would you like me to get a price? So you, you have this yes, but two or three very simple um, objections, response, objections, response that any typical salesperson would have to go through. And now suddenly you have, you have an audience, right? And we never talked about watts, volts, and amps, radiant heat, or how it worked. It doesn't matter. People don't care. Yeah. yeah. And I, I even think on the commercial side, it's still a good approach because uh, maybe they care a little more about the functional aspects, but it's still about alternatives, problem solving, better experience, maybe total cost of ownership. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, we got a call from Amazon yesterday to, you know, snow melt a, a million square foot parking lot. 
So we have to guide them through, you know, a few of their options there. But, you know, this is, this is where we want people to come up with the crazy question, right? This is like, oh, cool. So can we, can we build a house on Mars? It's like, oh, well, <laughs> there's a few obstacles in our way. But let me give you some options here. We can, we can do it on the moon and then you can see Mars from the moon. How's that? Um, yeah. Well, good stuff. So, so you mentioned... 20 years ago, 15 years ago, US, today you're at 1%. You mentioned, is, is that right? Are you, is it today 1% of the market? Yeah, I mean, so it's 5% of the bathroom remodel market. Okay. It's 1% of the new construction market. Gotcha. And you also mentioned, and you gave a really good explanation to, you know, I love my own product, which is I think awesome. And then how to be able to speak the language of other people that want to love your product, right? Uh, now, I'm curious, though, from the 5%, is this where you thought you would be from 15 years ago? If, was there any kind of lessons learned? I know there's lessons learned on the showroom person on how to educate them to ask the question. But, you know, growth, why isn't it 10%? Why isn't it 2%, right, between what you have today? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I think it's because for, for many years, you know, a lot of the companies in this marketplace are relatively small, you know, between 5 and 25 million you know, valuation. So the relatively small businesses competing. And so they're, they're competing with relatively small means. Uh, no one's going to a trade show. No one's, well, they're going to trade shows, but they're not going to trade shows and own the floor space. Um, they don't really go on prime TV. Um, so the product acceptance has really been store by store, word of mouth. And so convincing the salesperson in the store to be the, the spokesperson for the category uh, has been essential. I think now we're at this tipping point where enough people, you know, that critical mass where enough people have had the product, have had success with the product, and they themselves would never have another house without it, but they're telling every of their friends that this is something they need to do, or they're asking their builders to put it in. So we're at a tipping point where we're going to see much, much faster acceptance in the bathroom. And now the bigger challenge for us, because warm-up's goal is to change the way uh, you heat your home, or challenge, which was the original challenge, but we had to take a bit of a, a segue, is still to tell people, you can heat your whole house with this. You know, you're not the first one. We do it every week, uh, whether hydronic or electric. We heat people's entire houses. And it's an alternative to, uh, to the furnace, to baseboards, to radiators. I mean, furnaces are about 65% of the market, 70% of the market in, in the US. Um, baseboards are about 20 odd and everybody else is 5%. That, that's the market today. And so the question is why, why don't more people consider radiant heating? Well, today there are two, two key answers to that. The first one, and a lot of newer companies will, will face that challenge. The first one is because the technology is not the same price yet, right? To buy a furnace, 12 grand, to get some floor heating for your house, about 30 grand whole house, and I'm talking your average suburban dwelling. Um, so the delta there is definitely a bigger pill to swallow. The second one is that during, there are ingrained habits. You know, if you're a builder, you, you bought a plot of land, you're gonna buy, you're gonna build five homes and maximize your, your, your investment. Um, well, you, you've had your HVAC guy for years. There's an army of HVAC guys who can put in a furnace. You know how it works and that it works. So why take a risk, right? If someone's ready to buy your home, why take a risk? Put in a furnace, sell it, 
make, make a buck and, and, and move on to the next project. The problem is the consumer doesn't realize that they have options and the furnace isn't the right thing for them. It almost never is the right thing for them. Uh, there are better, healthier ways to do this. Radiant heating is not just nice because it's warm on your feet and you can, you can throw away your slippers in disgust um, and walk around barefoot around the house. It's, it's that in you know, post-COVID world, you know, the quality of the air in your house is going to be significantly improved with a radiant heating system rather than a system that circulates you know, the same air all the time. If you have allergens or pet hair or anything like that, that stuff just keeps rotating and rotating and rotating. Yeah, and I know also, I know with our heat, you always have skin conditions, right? Because of the heat's blowing and all the allergens and all that. Um, this, and it's just, I'm curious too, because is it also common on top, on below carpets, radiant heat? Yeah. Yeah, we do it under every type of floor, you know, anything that retains heat like tile and stone and to some degree mm -hmm. wood, you know, is more effective. But, you know, we do we do it a lot in basements and bedrooms as well, sure. where you know, people prefer carpet for the, 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 the plush aspect of it. But, you know, one, one thing people don't realize, this is a little quiz of the day in the podcast is, you know, tile and carpet are the same temperature. You know, people say, well, tiles are cold. And that's why I want floor heat there, but carpets are warm in my bedroom, so I, I don't need any heat there. I said, actually, you can take a thermometer, you know, the ones they check you for, for, for the coronavirus. You, you can take that on your carpet and on your tile, they're exactly the same temperature. The only difference is that tile takes your, the heat from your body away and carpet doesn't. So when you step on a, on a, on a tile, um, you know, you have a thermal transfer between your foot and the tile and on the carpet because it's made of fiber, that doesn't happen. Um, but yeah, heat, heat can come in, in many different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's a cool factoid there. And I, I was talking to someone else, Regis, where they, they have a, a fairly either entrepreneurial or minority, but a competitive or better product. Right. And, and they were talking about what are some ways, as you mentioned, it, it's very similar type of, a challenges where it's like uh, ingrained habit, like the homeowner just doesn't know. And that's probably, um, probably the biggest win would be when they do know. And then obviously the pricing uh, and then the people that the homeowner deals with. So if it's the builder, the, the showroom person, but then they also, they were talking about, I mean, you have other aspects, like you mentioned, is that people do care about their health, right? And, and you know, that's obviously an educational and certainly with COVID, um, everyone's thinking about their health and, uh, and the sustainability aspect, you know, and also total cost of ownership. And I, I know I was talking to other people where the technology has come down because of the way they manufacture their product and, and that's also made it more competitive. So can you share any of those that, you know, people may not normally think about? Like, again, when we were talking earlier, I was talking to a gentleman about outdoor infrared heating, right? And he was like, oh, that increases the value of the house. It never did that before. So is there, different things that you've come up with that that really can help educate that not only should this be a standard form of heating in the future but here are the other reasons why it takes a few boxes if, if we look at the long term and and even the midterm so covid accelerated a lot of things one is this consciousness for comfort and quality of life and health you know most importantly uh, people don't want to get sick and and they're now going to be mindful about what they eat and how they live and where they live and that's going to drive new decisions. So 
you know, builders are now already talking about having to have dens and home offices and, and these new spaces in the house, the new houses that they're going to be building, which five, 10 years from now will be completely standard in every home, right? Um, and, and you can go back in time and think about some rooms that we take for granted now that didn't exist in the, in the house of 10 years before and 10 years before and 10 years before. So you, you'll have that change in habits from, from the consumer demand perspective. People are going to be wanting either new comforts or uh, a healthier environment. Uh, air purifiers and, and anything of the sorts are gonna be standard in the house of tomorrow. I will not buy a house, even a mid-level house that does not have an air purification or, or circulation system. Um, because I, I think that's silly. We, we, we now have to include this. We've lived without it, but there was no reason to. And, and then the long-term game is that ultimately, whether we like it or not, and this is not a political position, um, there is a movement towards electrification. Uh, we are going from 7 billion to 10 billion people uh, in, in this century. And uh, there is absolutely no way, A, that we can power everybody with fossil fuels, and B, that we can power everybody with clean energy um, with the ambitious goals that we have for 2030 or 2050 um, along the lines of the, the, the Paris Accord. So it is without a doubt that, that not only are countries and policies going to change towards electrification, you can already see it in, in Holland, for example, you cannot buy a gas boiler, they're illegal. In 2025, gas boilers have been made illegal in the UK, a big market. Um, so gas boiler manufacturers have already seen, they, they've already prepared, it's electric boilers, it's um, on-demand water and things like that. And those will be, those will be the, uh, the changes of tomorrow. So whilst today heating your whole house with electricity sounds silly in a lot of markets, in about 10 years to 15 years, it will sound a whole lot more normal. Um, it will require some policy changes at the government level. It will require incentives, um, but it's inevitable. It's where we're headed. Yeah, and I, I, I really get that, you know, just from a, a whole sustainability health conscious, but most, isn't much HVACs heated by in the U.S., I guess? Is, isn't, there, isn't that the predominant way of, for HVAC units to work? Um, well, gas, gas is the, the, the power source for most furnaces. There are electric furnaces, but usually in the south side of the country, um, okay. most furnaces are gas powered and, you know, it's, every country has their own sort of, um, setup, right? We, in America, we, we have our own gas, so why not use it? Um, but you know, they have the same in Norway and they don't necessarily, you know, use it as much because they see, they see the. Uh, the, the potential for electricity, and, and once we once we have a couple of breakthroughs on batteries, once we have solar panels, um, once electric utilities are favoring or uh, subsidizing, you know, clean mm -hmm. uh, electricity versus uh, fossil fuel-based um, electricity, we'll see that momentum change. So there's always that green premium between the current the current situation and where we're headed next. But if we can make that green premium marginal. Right, and if we can help people understand the benefits, um, I think uh, I think we'll see that change happening, you know, in the next decade. Gotcha. <clears throat> yeah, and, and just one last topic for you, because I know it's mostly residential, luxury bath, and heating the house. Uh, do you see 
any awareness or progression on the commercial side? Because I can I can probably say like, well, hotels, this probably makes a lot of sense, right? Because they have bathrooms, right? And, and I go into hotels all the time and that crappy heater's blowing, right? Or it's too cold or whatever it is, right? Yeah. So is there is there um, similar or, or an appetite of that kind of uh, standardization of your product? Yeah, with, without a doubt, um, the product's already ready for it. It's, it's, it's back to bad habits duplicated, right? We, we have all the habits, and especially in the commercial space, even more than in the residential space, uh, the margins are very thin, right? Between the time you buy, you sell, you rent. And because of that, you don't want to take risks. You don't want to change. You don't want to change uh, unless you absolutely have to. So if once we see some incentives coming in from, from, from policy standpoint, and once we see the demand from consumers or renters or office space, you know, renters or buyers um, to have a better quality uh, space for their employees and use that as a sort of employee retention habit, you know, this is a great office. Uh, this is a great office with you know, the right, the right air quality and so forth. Then, then we'll see that change, but you know, where you used to live, uh, Kip, in, in Seattle, electricity is relatively inexpensive. And so at night, for example, electricity is even less expensive. If you're in a commercial building, you're only paying two cents a kilowatt hour at night, but you'll, you'll spend 15 cents a kilowatt hour during the day. So an electric cable put in a slab can actually be powered all throughout the night, almost for free. And then it can be released, that heat can be released all throughout the day and you don't use any electricity. So from a commercial perspective, there are many ways, even for a warehouse, like don't heat the warehouse when it's expensive, when people are there, heat the warehouse at night when it's almost free. And with radiant heat, you'll benefit that for, from that for, for eight to 10 hours uh, mm -hmm. because you've got enormous thermal storage. Yeah, just on a similar note, because I imagine if you're doing multifamily, I mean, you may run into architects that also have commercial projects. I mean, is there any kind of synergies there where they say, oh, this is working awesome on my multifamily projects. Let me try this out on some of my commercial. Does that ever happen? Yeah, we're getting some traction with quite a few um, developers and, and engineering firm. Uh, at first it came because of because our product became a solution, right? I mean, imagine if you're building a, a, a multi-unit building and it's 50 stories high. And if you want to get radiant heating or hot water, you got to bring that hot water to the 50th floor. And you know, that guy wants hot water too. And and so you can imagine the, the size of the pumps and the pipe and the ductwork that needs to get into bringing everything from the ground floor to the 50th floor. But if, if I do it with electricity, it's just a wire, right? It's just a wire that goes all the way to the top and that's it. There's no water, there's no, you know, there's no pump, there's no anything. And electricity, you know, bar a few considerations is 100% efficient, you know, on, on that distance. And that, to me became a solution. We had another uh, project in, in New York where they wanted to use heated floor to mitigate the condensation on these floor to ceiling windows. So they had these beautiful, you know, million plus condos. And of course they had floor to ceiling windows to overlook whatever beautiful sites they got to look at, uh, probably the other building across the street, frankly, but <laughs> um, they, they use the heated floors as a, as a mitigation for uh, that, that thermal difference that creates condensation on the windows. And it worked. And so from there, of course, the, the relationship evolved and they said, well, wait a minute, you know, heated floors are nice. Let's put it everywhere. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Um, I know we're 
coming to the end of our session and thoroughly enjoyed not only learning about radiant heating, but all the other similar type of um, stories they had about an entrepreneurial type of setup, how it started out in Europe, how you had to almost re-educate, speak the customer's language and, and uh, help the, sh uh, the designer and that showroom person to also ask the right questions. Because I think those are very transferable type of ideas that any seller or marketer needs to know in the future. So I, I appreciate that. So um, I, yeah. if yeah, people wanted to reach out to you, Regis, or your company, how, how would they be able to do that? Well, the website is warmup.com. So that should be easy to remember. Um, and they can find me on LinkedIn. So Awesome. Well, awesome. Well, I, again, want to thank you for your time and uh, out of your busy schedule. I, I do think this was really beneficial and uh, would welcome back anytime in the future. So thank you. Sounds good. Thanks, Gabe. Thanks for the opportunity. Talk to you soon. Absolutely. I wanted to thank everyone again for listening to our podcast. And if you're interested in knowing more about Concora, we help building product manufacturers get specified and purchase more by providing a great web experience that's bolted onto your website. It makes it easy for your architects, engineers, and contractors to do business online with you. Uh, we sum it up as three things. It's providing a good web experience, good content, and good tools. And we have some great tools such as submittals, sustainability, project showcases, or anything else needed by your design community to specify and purchase products. We'd be more than happy to show you a quick demo and you can go to concora.com, C-O-N-C-O-R-A.com to learn more, read case studies and see how other customers have grown sales with our partnership. All right, folks, that wraps us up for today's show. So you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud by searching for The Concord Corner. And if you'd like to, we'd love a rating and a short review if you listen on Apple. Any feedback is appreciated on any of our shows that are coming out, and or just the show in general, or if you just want to say hello. Uh, you can find out more about Concora and our services at www.concora.com. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash LLC. We are on Twitter at Concora. And you can find us on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash company slash Concora. Thank you for listening and have a great day.